my dear buddy Peggy Mason, Professor Peggy Mason, a.k.a. the great one, professor of neurobiology at the University of Chicago, the host, the curator of The Brain is so cool. And I didn't realize that your MOOC, where I met, when I met you, Understanding the Brain, the Neurobiology of regular, Everyday Life, has got a 4.9 out of 5 rating by students on Coursera. 4.5 out of 9? 4.9 out of 5. 4.9 out of 5? 4.9 out of 5. What did you do wrong? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got to get those last... <laughs> that last that last ten I mean my goodness I don't know, I mean four point nine out of five anyway. But uh, I'm Aaron Freeman, artisan residence for the Chicago Council on Science and Technology. You are Peggy Mason. Ah, and you're having a, you said you were having a good week. I am having a good week. I'm out here in the wilds of British Columbia. My last oh. week of uh my last chance to get away before December. I'm oh. going in, going in for a big haul well, there. I thought, though, that, uh, so I thought, didn't the school year start? Bizarrely, we are the latest. I mean, we are always late, but this year we are even later. We're usually the last week in September. University of Chicago usually starts the last week of September, and this year we are starting on October 2nd. Well, I guess that's uh, because of the Chicago letter that it's not a safe. Well, no, now it's, it is a safe space for people who want an extended summer vacation. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> the fact that I remembered that, the fact that I remembered. How the did you remember that, Aaron? Well, you know, it's just, well, I can't actually say because we're going to talk about memory, but not necessarily about human memories. Okay, so great. I have spent the time, but okay, now, but this is very confusing to me because you humiliated me some weeks ago when I was asking about, uh, I was positing my, my rock solid theory, my rock solid hypothesis that memory uh, was a function of the hippocampus, which you beat me over the head with and uh, made me look like the, the nut job that I am. Well, no, no, no. Mem memory is uh, in in great part dependent on the hippocampus. There's no question of that. But well, there are, are memory. There are memories that are there are memories, and then there are memories, and then there are well, memories. That, well, that's true. Now we're going to talk about how exercise can improve uh, adult neurogenesis in adults, but. Before we do that, if you don't mind, because the, what the study that we're look, talking about, which was published by our buddies in Neuroscience News, we love very much, and we recommend them to our Facebook and uh, uh, well, well, to be to be fair, the the study was actually published in Science. That's right. That's right. And it was publicized. I, I just want to shout out a little bit to um, Sihun Choi who graduated from the University of Chicago. He got his PhD from the University of Chicago. Very delightful student. Um, he and a, a few others, Virginia Privo and, and Mahesh uh, Sharma and I all um, are on Twitter and we have a rainbow contest, okay? So uh, 
I, I said, first, how, did I, how did I miss the rainbow contest? What is it? Now you are new. Well, it doesn't movie. happen that often because a lot of time, you know, months will go by and none of us will post anything because we haven't seen a rainbow. Um, oh. I was looking for one yesterday, but no. Anyway, so um, Sihoon was a great student. He graduated for a while, uh, a while ago from University of Chicago, and he went off to do a postdoc, and now he's an assistant professor. Um, in neurology at Harvard. Um, and he's at Mass General Hospital, which is where I did my PhD work. So, and, and, um, Mass General, and Massachusetts, General. Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. And he, um, the, the senior author on the paper is Rudolf Tanzi, T-A-N-Z-I. But, um, so what Sihoon did, uh, was to look at the um, effect of neurogenesis and exercise on a mouse model of Alzheimer's. And it's a really interesting result. And but it was, not, well, yes. Okay, so what is the effect of exercise on neurogenesis in mice? So we know that, that, um, that exercise increases adult hippocampal neurogenesis in mice. Um, we also know AHN. What's that? AHN. AHN. I, I don't know how widely used that right, just, is, but yes, AHN. Okay, I saw it on the little thing, so I, I that's what I yeah. did. So, so exercise increases that, but the really interesting thing that they found was they could increase uh, neurogenesis or AHN uh, using other methods, either genetic or pharmacological. And, right. and remember, what, what was the result of that? Well, it's very interesting because it worked. It did increase adult, in mice, adult hippocampal neurogenesis. But how, did it, but how did it work on on aid on well okay so how do we how do we tell whether a rat is is um is working on you know firing on all pistons there? That's a really interesting question. Uh, how do we know that? It, I don't know. Tell me, please. So what we do is we put this radial arm maze. The mouse gets put in, so it's got maybe eight arms. The mouse gets put into one arm, and two of the arms are baited have food in them and it's always the same two arms that have the food so the mouse goes in and on the i don't know the 10th time that it does it fifth time whatever um it goes right to those two arms but in this model no, is, of, of ad the mouse goes to all, each arm <laughs> looking for the bait okay. okay not 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 the swiftest uh boat in the race there <laughs> so that's that's similar that sounds similar to the water ledge test uh yeah it, it, the water uh the little island used for how how fast you give up oh i thought maybe it was the fact that, that some mice learn where the yeah, little there's that but this this yeah. is a good this is a good one first of all the water one is very unpleasant there's a lot of wet water everywhere um it's very unpleasant good. for us we have to do a lot of cleaning up and um and you know the mice don't particularly like it but this is okay so they get the they're not i don't think they're food deprived they get a bait 
you know, I mean, they can win this extra food or not. It's right. there's no big problem. And um, if I can ask, you please make sure that two arms, right? So you make have sure two memories. The idea is, it wants the if the rat uh, after the seventh or eighth try, the rat goes directly to where the, the arm where the food is. Then we assume the rat has learned. Yeah, the two arms, two arms where the food is. Yeah, right. and, and learned. This is a graded thing. So how long, or how, or how much? Um, what's the total path that the that the mouse goes? So if he walks five miles to get what could be a, a ten foot uh, prize, then you know he's he's not doing so well. He's not smart. He's not remembering. He's not remembering things well. And so, and so, the, so the, in the experiments, they use a combination of pharmacology and uh, uh, gene therapy to increase the adult hippocampal neurogenesis in the mice, but it didn't actually make a difference in there. They didn't get, but how could this be? I mean, right. brand new neurons. Their little hippocampi are all like spiraling with brand new muscles. What happened? What? went wrong well <laughs> um, what's the first thing you do if you're gonna let's say you're gonna make a new recipe what's the okay. first thing you do before you make the recipe assemble the ingredients yeah well you clean your kitchen clean your kitchen yes clean your, clean your well kitchen. on the good days yes <laughs> hopefully clean your dishes <laughs> clean your mixing bowls clean your utensils Okay, everything's clean so that what you add in, all the new stuff that you add in is all okay. Yep. And so that didn't so much happen. So the, the thought is that when the animal exercises, not only does the animal make new neurons, but it also cleans up the environment. So the neurons can actually survive. Well, let me say, so what you're saying is that, that this business about generating adult uh, hippocampal neurogenesis can works when we know it works in mice who exercise, and it can also work in mice with just pharmaceuticals and gene therapy. But there's this other part, the setting of the stage wherein the the uh, the neurons work. That part you cannot go. They could not in this experiment at Mass General. They could not uh, replicate merely with pharmaceuticals and gene therapy. Correct. That's exactly Only it. That's Only exactly that. it. So exercise, you know, once again, you get for free what all these really smart people spend a lot of money and a lot of time figuring out how to do for a lot of cost. So what do you do? You want to do, live longer and live and have, you know, be smarter, go out and exercise. Now, I, I okay, before anyone speaks out on me, First, first of all, we have no evidence that this is going to work in humans. And there's some important differences between mice and humans. And second of all, many diseases. And I, and I, um, and I firmly believe this. Even I, I suspect most. There's just this tiny little bit that you can influence it. And the time to influence it may be past. So... Most most people that have Alzheimer's and get demented, 
there's nothing they can do at that point. There's nothing that they did five years ago. There's probably nothing they did 10 years ago or didn't do 10 years ago that sealed their fate. Uh, their fate is probably sealed mostly by their genes and then maybe by something that happened when they were zero years old or one years old. Who yeah. knows? We don't what know. Is, you don't have a ton that? of you don't have a ton of control, but right. this is a very interesting thing that you can you can move the needle or or mice. Mice can move the needle a little bit by exercising. So if you were if you were, or I are going to develop Alzheimer's, there's a good chance that the plaques and the tau part proteins that are going to misfire are already starting to do their thing in our brains at just such a level that, at least in your case, it's not so obvious. <laughs> you just don't know. And, right. and then, so Sihoon, as I said, was a graduate from, from University of Chicago, and and I found it really interesting, and I don't know, I tweeted something, and then he emailed me a really interesting a few interesting things. He first of all, he acknowledged that that um, human and mouse adult neurogenesis are different beasts. We simply don't know what's going on in humans in the same way. And there, and there's a lot of evidence against any substantial amount of neurogenesis um, in the in the human. The other thing that, that Sihun told me about, which was really, really interesting, is a group of people that have, uh, they have AD, Alzheimer's pathology, but they have no symptoms. Okay, by so Alzheimer's they're not pathology. demented. Well, you mean by Alzheimer's pathology, you mean like the, the amyloid plaques? The plaques and the, yeah, the, the, the plaques and all that, but they yeah. are not demented. And so um, what he says is uh, these are rare individuals. They're cognitively intact um, at the time of their death, despite the presence of neuropathological features associated with a fully symptomatic stage of AD. Now, these people have an, an increase of adult neurogenesis or, or um you know, cells that stain as though they're they're recently born uh, cells, um, compared to having the pathology with dementia. So it's possible that these incredibly rare people are being saved by some adult human uh, adult hippocampal neurogenesis. That they for for some reason, whether it's genetic or whether they're exercise fiends, who knows what's special about these rare individuals? But I thought that was really really interesting. Uh, so, what do we know? Do can we say anything about exercise uh, and, and Alzheimer's in humans? Exercise and Alzheimer's. I mean, I think that what we can say is. Betting money would be the betting money would be on there being a um, protective effect of exercise, um, but how how big that effect is and who it's going to work for and who it's not, those we don't know. So, those so we don't know. I mean, so one one other thing to to keep in mind is that. Um, if you take away all 
adult hippocampal neurogenesis. And now we're, we're back to the mouse. You say, okay, you don't get, you might, you, Mr. Mouse, don't get to make any hippocampal neurons in your adulthood. That animal never gets any pathology. It's a wild type. It's a regular old mouse who no longer does any adult hippocampal neurogenesis. That animal's fine. The animals that are affected by levels of neurocampal hippocampal neurogenesis are animals that are susceptible. They're basically genetically engineered to get Alzheimer's. This is an unpleasant marker. I think I think you're saying that the cre that neurogenesis is a risk factor for the development of Alzheimer's, at least in mice. Right. Uh, I don't that. I want. I don't. I want neurogenesis. I want new brain cells, and I don't want them. I want new brain cells to diminish my risk, as do this this rare bunch of people who are phenotypically Alzheimer's and not do not clinically present. That's how I want it. Please, could you do something about that? Well, do you you, you know right now, Aaron? What? What days are we in? We are in the days of awe. There are 10 days oh, yes. of awe. And during the 10 days of awe, this, this is a Jewish uh, tradition. Uh, it starts with Rosh Hashanah, and on Rosh Hashanah, God opens the book, the book right. of life. That's right. And then sometime during those 10 days, in that book is written every person's fate for the next year. And on Yom Kippur, which is next week, the book gets closed. And see, and I think this is a very apt metaphor for for life and neurological disease, which is that the book of life and the book of our of our uh, fated diseases was probably written back when we were conceived during gestation. When we inherited whatever genes we inherited from our, our parents. Um, and that is a big chunk of, of what's going to happen. And our ability to influence is very, very small. But now you, you, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, a buddy of mine named Sam Savage is a uh, probabilist, probabilist. So that when, we, when you say that our... our fates are sealed, our fates are largely written at birth, what you mean, I think you mean, is that the probability that we will develop Alzheimer's, develop whatever, is, is that that probability is pretty well set. There are a lot of factors along the way. It's but, anchored. You know, you know, I think a good way to put it is that it's anchored at birth, and it can move up and down. So, for example, there are a lot of there are a lot of conditions where you have a susceptibility, and then what you need uh, to avoid are stressful life events. Okay, good luck on that. But whatever. So you're supposed to go through life without any stress, and then your susceptibility is is not going to actualize. But should you have a stressor, or maybe two, or maybe three, or six, or eight, then the probability that that uh, susceptibility blossoms into a problem, goes skyrocketing high. 
that's our that's sort of the scenario that I right. think covers a lot of uh, human conditions. So, to as a as a, as a as a neurobiologist, to what extent do you actually focus on assessing probabilities of outcomes of neurological outcomes in an individual over the course of their lifetime? How 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 much training do you have to have in probabilistic neurobiology? Oh, I mean, this is not my is not my field. I have zero training in this. I'm okay. I'm just I'm just reading the literature, and I'm telling you what what my impressions are. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah because it doesn't, for, you, for what you do, it doesn't really matter because your job is to say, here's how, this is what the chunks of the brain are. And this piece over here is that, and this is connected to that, and this is doing that. And the probability. I, mean, I, don't, I don't say that anything is uninteresting. And I, you yeah. know, I used to think that there were uninteresting things. And, and when I wrote my, my textbook, I realized, yeah, not so much. Everything starts to be interesting once you you look at it. You yep. there are always wrinkles. There, I just haven't found anything that um, is not interesting. Anyway, so and no piece of information is is not useful. Pieces of information are useful. So, so I want to say we're, we're talking with our uh, we're the Chicago Brain Buddies, sponsored by the Chicago Society for Neuroscience. That there is Peggy Mason, professor of neurobiology at the University of Chicago. I'm Aaron Freeman, funny funniest Negro comedian at the Chicago Council. <laughs> I got that nailed. I got that nailed. So <coughs> we, we are the Brain Buddies. We are generally here on Thursdays. If you have a question you'd like to ask, uh, we have season there folks uh, alive here. Uh, Loani is out running errands, and she may be uh, in and out, so to speak. But if you have any questions about the aging brain and adult neurogenesis, don't hesitate to ask them as we go down here. But so does this particular research, again, well, it doesn't have any particular relevance to human beings, or does it? Do, are there things that we learn? Well, how generalizable do we can we say like 50% generalized? There's no way to quantify the extent to which um, we don't know, but but I think it's I think it's really interesting. This what Sihun was telling me in this email about these um, individuals, these rare individuals who have Alzheimer's pathology and no symptoms. Okay, so that's really really interesting, um, and it suggests that at a broad strokes that that neurogenesis also is influencing humans, maybe at the edges, maybe differently from how it influences mice, but but I have a hard time thinking that any principle that we learn from mice will not be somewhere, somehow, uh, to some degree applicable to humans. Well, it's certainly not hard to imagine that you need, uh, as, as the Jews would say, the shulchan aruch. You need to set the table. You can have your nice little brand new neurons, but you need to set the table. To oh, absolutely. That, like, that's that not makes, hard to, to think about. That makes not total hard to, sense. Right, right. It makes intuitive sense. But let me ask you this. How often do, does something make intuitive sense to you that's just wrong? It happens. It happens. <laughs> and, and, yeah, those are very interesting situations. It's a problem with incredibly intriguing ideas. But usually those intriguing ideas are ideas that came up 
uh, or the ones that get shot down are ones that came up without any data. This is an idea that this is an interpretation that comes from data. So, you know, they have this disassociation between neurogenesis effect with, uh, whether with, with, within or without outside of the context of exercise. So that's a really, and they know this bit about BDNF, this neurotrophic factor that gets activated or released during, um, by exercise. So BDNF is something that could be involved in the cleanup issue. So, so, I mean, they're not, this is not just sort of a, uh, that's a cool idea. Let me propose it with no data. This is actually a data-driven interpretation. So I, I, I um, you know, I suspect they're right. Um, what I, what I don't know, and I don't think they pretend to know, is to what degree it will be applicable to humans or human disease. We just don't know. Is there any? At the same time, I just don't. You know, okay. What would be the downside in exercising? <laughs> I don't think anyone sees a downside as long as your musculoskeletal uh, uh, system can take it. Yeah, go for it. Well, of course, as I like to point out to all my friends at the gym, there is there's always a great reason not to go to the gym. <laughs> there are important TV shows to be watched, important breakfast foods to be consumed, important you know, there's always a great reason. But so, but in, in theory, when I was reading the articles, uh, the paper, that in theory, let's just say what you are, and people at my age, I'm 62, of course, and we'll see, talk about this brain health thing is a big deal. Something I can, I'm concerned with, and I do what I can to try to do it. So that in theory, we know that we can get neurogenesis with the gene therapies and the pharmaceuticals. If there was a way to get this BDNF, what does that stand for, by the way? Brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor. If there's a you way heard, to... You've heard of nerve growth factor? Yes. Nerve growth factor is out in the periphery, discovered by Rita Levy-Mentalcini, got the Nobel Prize for it. Um, but uh, brain-derived BDNF is, is sort of the brain mega growth factor so it's sort of the brain's version of NGF. And that's the thing that exercise producers in mice that have not, has not been uh, produced or uh, created by uh, pharmaceuticals or Correct. the gene. Correct. So but in theory, if we could get... Well, the, that's the, one of the things. I'm not sure that... I don't know that BDNF is the only... Right. The only right. extra factor. But that was one. Yeah. That was one identifiable fact. One identifiable yeah. difference between the exercising mice and just right. the pharmaceutical mice. Right. So that in theory, though, my point that if you if you can find a way to do the BDNF and the various and the other uh, 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 neurogenetic uh, uh, properties, well, the other factors. I mean, I think that's exactly where uh, Sihoon and and Rudy Tanzi are going. They're going to try and figure out what it is. And now they have this beautiful model. They can figure out what it is that that exercise is doing, and identify those exact factors, and then look at those the effect of those factors that pharmacopoeia on humans. So, in theory, you could get, derive the same 
neurological benefits from without exercising. The neurological, you could be neurologically um, a six day a week workout person while you sit home, neurologically speaking. I mean, your muscles may atrophy and sarcopenia may set in, but neurologically, you could conceivably do it. And at which point, I, I wonder why would you, why, you know, if you're what you're concerned is your brain, why bother working out? You could imagine. Well, you. You could do it in a hundred years. Well, there's that. <laughs> really, really, really not this year, and really not next year. And the way F the FDA FDA approval system works, really not in five years. So maybe you know, ten, twenty years from now, you got it. You got a shot at it, but we're not there yet. So you can't. That assume, we, we haven't done anything like this. Is there anything like this, as far as you know, been any tests like this been done in humans? Oh, there have been tests for, for various um, uh, treatments of Alzheimer's, and they pretty much all crashed and burned. But what about this exercise stuff? Uh, I, don't, I don't know of anything, um, but, but that doesn't mean much that I don't know it. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it, once, even once that it's... I it's doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Because... It's too new and it's too mousy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but we, we and so tell me why it is if we absolutely positively know that mouse, as somebody said to me, if you're a mouse with cancer, we can do a lot for you. Right. <laughs> if you right. There are many maladies that if you are a mouse, we can really help you out. But I, I, I want to just make, make sure that we don't lose, totally lose our faith in mouse-based research, in rodent-based research, because not least no, because that's... No, I mean, I think mice tell us, I, I, I still believe that mice tell us a lot about fundamental processes. We just have to understand that those fundamental processes are going to be tweaked in us because of species-specific issues, and they're going to be combined in different... Uh, amounts and different with different emphases. It, the players are going to be the same, and we're going to learn so much more about the players from working on mice than we could ever learn in the slow process that it takes us to work on humans. So, no question that this is a, a valuable way to go. It's just it's it's the translational the translation of it into humans is not the easiest thing in the world. But, but right now, before before we go, I want to talk. I want to address Mike's question. So, what about exercising your brain, math puzzles, and chess? And I think that the answer has been that that there's no evidence that that um the so-called exercise of your brain helps. Uh, I don't well, think that there's a, a evidence, yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm reasonably certain because Ma Michael and I are both old Catholic school guys. He may well be referring to the very famous Minnesota nun study. Um, I think that, uh, so for example, luminosity tried to make uh, a, the case that, you know, if you do these puzzles, you're going to get smarter and you're going to blah, blah, blah. Well, the, the fact is that luminosity's puzzles, you get better at luminosity's puzzles, but you can't generalize them. And they have had to um, pay out for making that false claim. Um, so there is no, there is no generalization of say, exercising your brain every day on this puzzle, it's not gonna help you solve a different type of puzzle. 
So I, I am not aware that there's any um, evidence that uh, exercising your brain helps. So, you know, there is also, you have to remember that, that in the none study, it's probably, it's, it's, it can be just simply be a correlation. It could be that the people that end up being more cerebral are the people that, um, don't, uh, end up getting Alzheimer's. Um, the, you know, the number of exceptions to that is, is just myriad. So I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of evidence for that, if any. As far as why do some Alzheimer's sufferers go between being lucid and not? The way I think about this, and this is not specific to Alzheimer's, but it's um, with any brain dysfunction, what really breaks down first are the long highways, the path, the, the real, uh, the, the, the long connections. And so, yeah, so, so these are the, the longest pathways have the most opportunity to break down. They do break down. Now there's traffic jams. So you can't go, you can't use, okay, for a Chicago uh, metaphor, you can't use the Kennedy Expressway to get from my house to Aaron's house. But you can still do it getting through side streets. And so, you know, you may get there, but you, you got there slower. And as, as to why it's better on one day and, and less, uh, you know, worse on a different day, I think these are just um, probably differences in, in amount of stress, amount of inflammation, um, the number of traffic jams that you have on your long highways of your brain. and and um as as long as it's a as the disease is not completely consuming and completely screwed up your entire brain you're going to be able to have good days and bad days and to get around those those traffic jams and find other routes that will take you from here to there um but it's going to be you know you're going to be oscillating around a, a lower and lower functional level and that's the that's the you know real tragedy of these neurodegenerative diseases is that they are neurodegenerative. They go down. The 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 neurons die. They just do. Sad and true. All right. Well, so as a, this is the we are the Chicago Brain Buddies. We always like to end on a, an optimistic, positive note, which I will look to my buddy. Well, my buddy Peggy is considering. Let me just say that I am Aaron Freeman. She is. You're thinking about the positive takeaway from this. I'm exercising. Oh, no, you're exercising. I'm sorry. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. You're right. You're exercising. Okay. So we are, but while Peggy is exercising and thinking about the great uh, happy ending for this, we are the Chicago Brain Buddies. We're generally here on Thursday afternoons around 3 o'clock. Peggy Mason is professor of neurobiology. We encourage you to check us out on Facebook. Uh, Chicago Brain Buddies on Facebook. We also have a podcast, Chicago Brain Buddies, which is available on Stitcher, iTunes, various of your favorite, um, uh, Spotify, various of your favorite podcast outlets. And uh, we are on YouTube at the ChicagoBrainBuddies.com uh, and the blog. So, uh, but, and so we thank you so much for your questions. We thank you so much for watching now. Thank you so much for watching uh, later on. But Peggy, as we run, as we, as we chill out here, give us uh, from this wonderful new interesting experiment uh, about 
adult neurogenesis genesis in mice. What can we take away that's going to make our day? Go exercise out in nature. Exercise <laughs> out in, in, in yeah, nature. Yeah, you're going to get two things. You're going to get exercise, which really can't be bad from from a cardiovascular point of view, obviously good. From a neurological point of view, probably really good too. Um, and then being out in nature, there's a lot of uh, growing evidence that this helps with uh, mood disorders and it helps with just mood uh, in general, mood motivation. And uh, yeah, so, so I would say, go out so and do it. So, so go out and do it. Contrary to American habit, get outside, get off your computer, go outside and exercise. Can't beat that, Professor Peggy Mason. And do it with others. Socialize too. Go outside Ooh. in nature and exercise Ooh. in a social manner. You'll be hitting it. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, so you're saying that because you're up there in British Columbia where it's really beautiful. And I have family and we're, we're hanging out and we're taking hikes, etc. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Peggy, Peggy Mason. We love you immensely much. And we will hopefully see you next week where we will have – actually, it's really fast. I don't know if you've seen that there's, new, uh, there's a new – a report out whether they're implanting artificial lab-produced oh, brains. Lab brains inside living brains, which is just really weird. So maybe we can chat about that next week. All right. Thank you very much. We are the Brain Buddies. See you guys really soon. Bye.